I think it's, it's the hyper-specialty movement needs to understand that the consumer needs to feel respected. You know, you talked about the ego aspect and I've seen it firsthand. I've gone to some cafes and like, man, to treat a customer like an idiot, like condescendingly, rudely, and it's like, it's just, I don't understand. Like, and again, these are people that should not be in business. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward Friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode five of a five-part series. And folks, before I uh, move on, if you are listening to this and you are thinking about coming to World of Coffee Dubai, please come. Come say hi. We're going to be the, we are the official podcast partner for World of Coffee Dubai. Please come stop by, say hi, and uh, see the podcast being uh, recorded live. Martin, I hope that you're going to be there. I know you're still undecided about whether you're going to be I'm there. We'll sure see. Anything. Yeah. Um, but Martin Mayorga is with us in this series. We are talking about the state of the coffee supply chain. Um, I believe that the the whole thing is a bubble at the moment, particularly in the consuming end of the market. And I believe that when that bubble bursts, that there's going to be ripple effects that flow back into the supply chain. Now, we've co- looked at things from the perspective of the producer, the exporter, trader, importer, roaster, cafe owner. And in this episode, we're going to look at things from the perspective of the consumer. Now, we in specialty coffee tend to wax poetic about how educated the consumer is. And yet, I don't believe that to be true. I think that from a a marketing company that I have uh, been working with for a client of mine recently, they did an extreme amount of research on this. And what the consumer is saying right now when it comes to specialty coffee, that specialty coffee are snobs Mm -hmm. and that specialty coffee make the consumer feel isolated. Specialty coffee makes the consumer feel dumb and specialty coffee makes the consumer feel uh, just not good about themselves. They run from specialty coffee. Well, where do you see things at the moment for the consumer, Martin? You know, I think the consumer obviously always benefits from options. I think, um, the options are going to be more limited, but better as they're mm-hmm. thinning out over the next X number of months and maybe years. Um, personally, I, I have a lot of empathy for consumers because I think they've been used. I think, you know, one of the things that irks me the most is these people who are so uneducated about what really happens in our countries where we grow coffee and they just have this like pay more for coffee, pay more for coffee. It's almost like you're going to blame the consumer for something the industry did over the last 200 mm-hmm. years. And almost basically, in my opinion, say, I don't care about you. You fix this problem. Take the money you've worked hard to earn to feed your family and take care of your family and create a future for them. And you come fix this. It's mm-hmm. so lazy and, and, and I think almost like abusive to a, to a consumer that I think consumers have a right and reason to be like, no, you know, like you do better. You as an industry fix this. Fine. Give me great quality. I'll pay for that. But I think. What's happened now is, like you said, a lot of that great quality has come with arrogance. It has come with, I'm not going to go to where you are as a consumer because you like dark roast coffee. I don't believe in it. And it's not even I don't believe in it. I've been told not to believe in it. I've been told not to believe in blends. I've been told not to believe. So now I'm going to pretend I don't believe in it because now I'm going to be part of this cool club of brands and, and, and competitors and competitions, et cetera. And I feel safe in that world, which has never really been a real part of the scale of the industry and i think consumers are going to now get a layer of peeling the onion back and be like oh wait 
So these people weren't really doing this and this wasn't really happening. And, and, and frankly, I think consumers rightfully so are going to kind of dig their heels and say, look, I'm going to buy the best coffee I can buy with my resources, but no offense, coffee's not my top priority. Not, nor should it be, you know, we could, you know, vilify consumers about anything. Look, I have an iPhone. I've heard stories about what happens in the plants that make iPhones, mm -hmm. where they have to put nets outside the buildings because so many people are killing themselves. I'm a hypocrite if I say I care about people who make these things because clearly I have one and I'll buy the new one. Mm -hmm. So I have to come to grips with that. And I think that, frankly, the industry needs to be held to a better standard and we have to do what we can, but we can't do it on everything. And I think coffee people think that consumers should care. Consumers care about their family, their health, their well-being, their future. And if coffee is a part of it, make it the best you can as an industry. Make it affordable to them. Make it sustainable. Do it right. Do your job to, to source well, to treat the people you work with well. Talk about that. Explain it. Educate the consumer with education you've earned, not with, you know, putting yourself on a soapbox. And just understand the consumers just trying to live their life. You know, like take a little pressure from them. Yeah. First and foremost. Now, as a consumer, I think it almost be, I don't know if it'll be much different, frankly, because I see the consumer differently than maybe a lot of people listening to this podcast, which is it's not the person coming in for a V60 into the local cafe and being willing to pay $17 or some absorbent mm. crazy. I see a consumer, somebody's like, hey, I got to get to work. I want a nice coffee. I have this nice bag of coffee sitting on the counter. I'm going to grind it. I'm going to brew it, put it in a to-go cup, put it on the way to work and feel happy about it. And maybe at night when I have nothing to do, I'll pull up the QR code on that bag and learn that they actually source nicely and they represent their community and they have values and they have a purpose. I feel good about that. End of story. Um, I just think the consumer needs to only benefit from products. And I think that mm -hmm. at this point, we need to kind of, I keep saying we, but it's not me. The industry that has exploited, to be honest, and look, we don't talk enough about that. You know, the words fair and equitable and all these things that are thrown around so much in our industry. People are so unfair to consumers. Folks, our first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, is now available for you to learn at your own pace. And it comes with a certificate upon completion. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for more details. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. I've seen people, you know, buy coffee that they, you know, I, I pay a great price at 324 you know, 350, they buy the same coffee from a trader who bought from another trader at 450. And then they go sell it to the, to the consumer at a completely inflated price. It's the same coffee I'm buying for less and selling for much less, you know, and I'll be very honest. I've had traders that will threaten farms to, that they won't buy from them if they sell to me because their roaster consumers or customers will say, well, how does my organ sell the same coffee so cheap, you know? And the truth is because we do it directly and we're, we're fair to consumers. Mm -hmm. And I think fairness to consumers needs to be brought back into the equation because we've forgotten that consumers are people also. And it's like, we've taken humanity out of the supply chain. You know, I want my consumers to feel good about what they're buying from me because it tastes great. It's consistent, but it's also price fair. You know, my mm -hmm. job is make organic specialty grade coffee that's been produced and you know, grown in a healthy way for the environment, a healthy way for my farmers, a healthy way for my consumers, make it accessible. It's that simple. And it goes back to the conversation about margin and profit and, and P&Ls. If I have to forego 5% of my net income 
give two and a half percent to the producer, give two and a half percent to the to the consumer as value, then I'm going to do that. And guess what? My job is my job every day is to maximize not shareholder value, but producer income, my staff's income, and well-being and consumer value. Mm-hmm. That's what every company should focus on. Um, I think what the consumer is going to see is just companies that are run better and they're going to offer them better pricing, more efficient um, business uh, pricing models and cool, a lot of cool innovation, to be honest, in cold brew and a lot of different preparation methods. But I think it's, it's the hyper-specialty movement needs to understand that the consumer needs to feel respected. You know, you talked about the ego aspect and I've seen it firsthand. I've kind of some cafes and like, man, to treat a customer like an idiot, like condescendingly, rudely, and it's like, it's just, I don't understand. Like, and again, these are people that should not be in business. The same people who can't read a P&L have hit most likely the same people who don't understand that the customer pays their bills. You know, and I mm-hmm. tell my staff this all the time. I don't pay you. Our customers pay you. If our customers aren't paying us, you're not getting paid. So let's make sure the customer's happy, which seems very basic, right? You would think it's common sense, but I think it's been lost. I think the consumer is going to benefit from a shakeout. I think the consumer is going to benefit from some realities coming out um, and from innovation. And I think it's a good thing. Unfortunately, that consumer is also dealing with the fire rates and the inflation mm-hmm. and, you know, overall higher costs. So uh, frankly, I think the consumer is going to be looking for value more than story. Why do you think that business owners don't listen to the consumer? Why do you think that they don't ask consumers questions? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that somehow, some way over the last 12 years or so. Look, I tell people all the time, when I started my business, I was in college and I was poised to be a Wall Street guy. And I decided to start my business and I became an entrepreneur. I hated that word. I thought it was tacky. When I was starting that in the mid to late 90s, I was a loser. Because this is a guy who can't even go get a job and, you know, he's going to school for finance and he's, you were kind of a loser if you're an entrepreneur. You didn't call yourself on it. You're kind of like this, like, ugh. it was kind of icky, like, oh, this guy, like okay. entrepreneur, like wearing a purple suit or some, you know, like it wasn't right. thought of as it is now. I think culturally, this new movement of entrepreneurial endeavors has been put into this, like, you know, I, I have family members, young men who are in their 20s who really think their goal is to have a private jet. Oh, Jesus. Like, you know, and, and Seriously? hardworking, good, smart kids, but like, that's what the culture has taught them. Wow. So okay. we have these fake entrepreneurs out there, to be honest, yeah. because an entrepreneur is going to see a need, see a challenge, see an opportunity and do whatever it takes to solve it, you know, and do whatever it takes to make that impact. Um, I think we just have a lot of fake business owners right now. You know, in my opinion, you know, to start a business and not be, you should not start a business if you're not financially savvy, meaning you can read a P&L, a balance sheet, and a cash flow statement, or you don't have somebody in house who 100% is. And by the way, that you're watching, because that same person could also steal from you, which happens. <laughs> I've seen that many, so, many times. I think it's that. I think just people are forgetting what a business is and what the ultimate reality of any business is. What is the market? You know, I'll never forget a presentation I did for a very large client in like 2005. And the heading was market-driven sustainability. And ultimately it was, this is the market. Here's a problem. We just need to align these two things. And it's yep. like it clicks and it fits perfectly and it works. 
what a lot of these new age entrepreneurs think, here's what I want to do. Here's what's cool. Here's what the industry likes. Come here, consumer, come to me. That's not how the way the world works. You know, if somebody likes, I don't know, a SUV, four wheel drive vehicle, you're not going to convince them to buy, you know, a two seat convertible. Mm -hmm. So you have to go where the market is. And I think that's part of the lack of education, lack of knowledge, lack of humility and overinflated ego, which is I'm going to do this so well. And it's going to be so cool that you'd be an idiot not to support it. And you'd be an idiot not to buy this coffee because dark versus gross because blends are terrible because this and that, because that's not reality. Mm -hmm. I think one of the first things you should do is understand your market. And look, if your market is only hyper-specialty coffees that only certain process, then understand that that's a limited market. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I want to be very clear. Like, I don't believe everybody should do what my org is doing. I do believe that you should be honest. I do believe that you should have a purpose that aligns with what you truly do. Meaning if you say you're doing something, you should actually be doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's room for everybody. There's room for the multinationals. There's room for commercial great coffee. 100%. There's room I think we just need to do our best to not fuck up the planet, impoverish people, and kill hope and dreams, which is what I've seen happen. I mean, it literally makes me so sad, and I've told my son this. I've met some brilliant people that are coffee farmers who have no hope left, mm -hmm. who can't even like, like realize the power of their mind and their capacities because their system's put in place that wouldn't even allow them to take advantage of that. And to me, that's inhuman. You cannot do that to people. You should never do that to people. Uh, yet it happens. And it's mm -hmm. part of the standard way of doing business. So, you know, I think the consumer needs to be forgiven as far as like, we can't put this on, on them. It's on us. But I do think consumers are educated. And I do think consumers care. Mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, consumers have to be careful. Because I think at least in the U.S., which is really, I mean, we, we do business U.S., Canada, Europe, but really the U.S. is our big market. I think consumers believe that there's some government entity out there that is making sure that things that are said on a bag are true. If Surely the pandemic stopped that from happening. <laughs> it's just crazy. And people think, and the things people say and get away with. Yeah, it's quite it's shocking to me. Yeah. It angers. It's funny. My team and I will share stuff on our, our WhatsApp group. And like, you know, I think a new one we came out that we saw come out was like um, ceremonial grade coffees and this and like. Man, the things people will say and do. It's and that like, trends thing we were talking about, right? To yeah. convince people to buy new coffee. That's the, the fuckery yeah. that I'm talking about that's coming up. I just think a lot of consumers honestly don't. We have to recognize consumers don't see coffee the way we do. And they shouldn't. No. It's not their job. It's our job. Yeah. Um, my consumers my customers love our Cubano Rosa. Super dark, very Latin. Very, why? Because that's what they grew up drinking or they love the you know, flavors that they, coffee they drank when they were in Latin America, whatever it is. That's what we give them. Mm -hmm. It's what I like too, by coincidence. But uh, hey, I get, I, I, we have family time right now for the holidays. You know, I roast my coffee here. I brew it and I prepared like a natural process uh, from one of our producers. Most of my family here, we actually, at my house, we have two different brewers. We have mine and my wife's, which mm -hmm. is all the like light roast kind of, and then the dark roast stuff for the family. For everyone then, else. You know, yeah. And I'm 50, I drink Cabana and stuff too, but um. You know, imagine if you were a company, it's like, well, in literally in my house, the preference is 90% the dark roast, you know, mm -hmm. muy macho, cubano, all that stuff. So imagine if you start a company, you're like, yeah, you like that, but you're wrong because you should like this. It's They're not, not going to come your way. And if they do, it's a process of education and preference changing. And maybe you give them something 
more of a medium roasting. It has to be intentional. You have to intentionally move them that way, but you can't just expect the market to jump through hoops because you want them to or need them to. It's very ignorant, to be honest. Oh, and I'm not sure that the juice is worth the squeeze when it comes to that. The long game, it, there are there are bigger problems that we need to solve than making consumers, Amen. you know, Amen. drink fucking specialty coffee. And I don't have a problem with specialty coffee. I think that there's a every coffee has a customer. What I think is that we are so hell-bent on this bravado that comes with what we do that we have put ourselves in a corner and that corner doesn't fit as many people as people think it does. No, it's and a tiny well, little corner. It's but tiny. let me make something clear too. You know, we keep using the word specialty. I hyper-specialty is the term I use because right. what is specialty coffee? I mean, That's first what of all, I we're mean. talking about hyper-specialty. That hasn't even defined itself. It's like specialty to most people. It's like, what does it mean? Oh, it's better. It's smaller. Look, specialty was originally defined by CA as 80 points plus. Mm -hmm. So technically any coffee over, and to me, 82, 83, distinctive flavors, distinctive notes, whatever it might be, uh, you know, no primary defects, very little to no secondaries. Like that's specialty coffee. We are a specialty coffee company. Yep. Whether people out there want to believe it or not. Exactly. So let's also understand because it's very, it could be easy for people to think that, you know, well, you're vilifying specialty because you're not, we're very specialty. Um, I think that at the end of the day, you mentioned something very important, which is there's a lot bigger, more important, more human, more, you know, community, more just future impacting things out there. And for me, that's where, that's what it all boils down to. Mm -hmm. I will never care more about coffee than I care about people. What? I'm sorry if that makes me a bad coffee company owner. I'm sorry. You know, I tell people all the time when I'm at Origin and the cupping table is loaded up and everybody's ready to go, I said, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and judge your work in front of you and tell you what it's worth to me. You guys cup it. My two graders, Eduardo and, and Beatrice, who this is what they do, will cup it and, and you know, kind of help identify characteristics and points or whatever. But to me, this was never about coffee. Frankly, I think that's what our success is all about. This was never and will never be about coffee. It will always be about people. I'm a coffee company company owner who sells less coffee than Chia, who sells almost as much beans as coffee, who in 2024, my model is I'm going to expand that and ideally quadruple that business. And coffee will be 25% of my business. Why? Because the communities and the people in the countries that I work with mm -hmm. are all subject to the same shit model that has impoverished coffee communities. And I need to do something. And if my ego needs to kind of take a back seat to the coffee industry thinking I'm not a coffee person because I sell all these other products and I don't care because I'm seeing positive impact where I work. That's all I want to do. And that's what I want to teach my children. And I want to influence the industry and I want to influence my staff and my team. And frankly, that's all that matters to me. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to the business is what is our impact? You know, even our own team, are we giving them the best health insurance? Are we giving them the best retirement plan? What are you doing? If you're not waking up every day to make a positive impact, you know, it's just life's too short. We got one shot at it. There's mm. too many problems out there to put any product on some pedestal that is then going to make you feel good about yourself because you put on a freaking apron and won some stupid competition because your cup of coffee looks prettier than other people's. I'm sorry. If that matters to you, I'd great. be sorry. <laughs> but in the, in the scheme of life, it's so fucking irrelevant and it's insulting to people who literally are trying to feed their families and not being able to do so. Well, and... What's happening now, this bubble that's bursting is really going to show people how irrelevant that is. These people who kept saying, 
the coffee competitions is where innovation gets shown to the industry and it's where innovation happens. People who are saying that coffee competitions are what really elevate producers, I'm sorry, but I have been saying on this podcast and other people have been saying on this podcast for six years now that that is utter rubbish. And now people are going to start to see what really matters. When things start going away or as when, you know, Warren Buffett says, when the tide's going out, now we're going to see what's what. We're really going to start to see who's been talking shit this whole time and who's been building a sustainable business. And the people who have built a sustainable business are going to win big in this time. They are going to have access to capital that allows them to buy companies that are going out of business which means that they get to benefit from those leases. They get to benefit from all the other assets that that company has. They get to benefit from the supply chains. And so they should. So they fucking should. They built sustainably. And for, for those who don't think that it is hard work building for the long term, it's painful. If you build for the it's long game. It's a lot game, of work. Yeah. It, I mean, you earn the right to call yourself an entrepreneur when you build for the long game. You really do. Yeah. And you mentioned the word, and I've mentioned it a lot, which is innovation. And I believe so firmly that our biggest opportunity to innovate in this industry is supply chain. Word. Yet nobody wants to do it. Why do I say that? Because we have a supply chain that was established 200 years ago when the commodities market and commodities trade was necessary to establish some sort of controls and kind of predictability. But frankly, a function of the ability to manipulate and kind of keep the market away from the producer and kind of have this little thing in the middle that made everybody money. But I always say the biggest innovation opportunity in coffee is creating new supply chains, mm -hmm. whether it's direct trade, whatever you want to call it, you know, and I've seen people pretend to with blockchain and like, well, you're just a digital trader now because your blockchain model expects me to pay you for every pound I move and blah, blah, blah. But our biggest opportunity for innovation is fix this fucking supply chain that is impoverished communities people, countries, that is innovation to me. It's changing people's trajectory in life and impacting mm -hmm. their grandchildren in a positive way. To me, that's how I want to innovate. And that's what all I want to innovate and doing. And you know, on that, if anyone has not heard of the DMCC here in Dubai, the DMCC is doing some awesome things long-term to try and position the supply chain in a very interesting way. So check it out. And if you do need any information, contact us and we can put you in contact with them. I have some information on the back end of what they're doing. And it's really exciting the way that they're trying to reposition. Like the guy who's heading it up, Said, Said is a super, super smart cat. And I can tell you the things and the ideas that he has for the coffee supply chain and how to use the trade routes that come through the Arabian Peninsula is super fucking smart. Jump on it, check it out and see if it's something that will work for you. Martin, I can't thank you enough for this series. I feel like it was a cathartic way to start the year and, and a really cathartic way to get ready for what I think is going to be a very definitive and formative time of our, the history of our industry. It couldn't have been anyone but you. So thank you for doing this. No, of course. And look, I want to make it clear. I don't, wish anybody to struggle. I want everybody to succeed. I just Word. firmly believe that we need to be honest with ourselves, mm -hmm. with the market. I think we need to know what we're getting into. And, you know, I think too many people get into business and then blame others for their lack of success. 
I'm here to help anybody whose values align with mine, honestly. And I'm sorry that that sounds overly selective, but I think I have that right. But yeah, uh, you too. if anybody needs, I mean, I'm always available. I tell people all the time, people's arrogance keeps them from reaching out. And the few that have, I will do whatever I can to help you. I will you do whatever. Me. If I believe that you're doing the right thing and I will, and trust me, there are people who I've helped who will tell you, like, I'll do more than you ever think I would or should, because I want to believe that there's other people out there yeah. who will carry the torch and who will do the things that matter so that my kids can be part of that. You know, I'm not in this to just, you know, Sam, and I want my kids to be part of it. I want my grandkids to be part of it. And I want other people to be part of it. I just have certain values that, uh, non-negotiables. I think I need to be a help. Exactly. And you know, what blows my mind. You were, like I said to you, uh, off air, you were easily the series that people contacted us the most about last year. And so many, particularly young men contacted us and said, I want Martin to be my mentor, like lots of people. And you're telling me nobody reached out to you. So folks, don't just contact me and tell me that you want to worship at Martin's feet. Like contact Martin, please, so that you can actually start a relationship. Um, the man's busy, yes, but he's telling you now that he wants to hear from you. So it's in your hands. Martin, will you do us a great honour of signing off our Peace, Love and Peanut Butter for this series, please? Peace, Love and Peanut Butter. Have an amazing rest of your day, everyone. Bye. Thanks again, Martin. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Mapper Forward, head to mapperforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.